listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is a show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 287. What's up, Mark? What's up? It's in between Christmas and New Year's, but although by the time people hear this, it'll be 2023, it'll be a new year. So happy new year to all of our new listeners. Happy new year to all of our old listeners. And just hoping that, you know, 2023 is a bit more of a normal year. Don't say anything. Do not <laughs> jinx it. Before we get into reviews and everything else, just real quick, we have a new show launching this year. Actually, we launched soon. It's, it's our Oil and Gas Geopolitical podcast, which was a bit of a struggle page to find a sponsor for, for, even though it's been our most requested new show for years. Right. Because you're going to have one side versus another. Well, guess what? Hmm. We finally found the company, an organization that not only wants to sponsor that show, but is happy to sponsor the show. And the reason they want to sponsor the geopolitical podcast is they want to disconnect politics from energy, which is something that you and I have been saying for years. Right. So audience in the show notes will be the Empowering Alliance. Click on the link, sign up. They're doing some wonderful stuff. They're just getting their game started. And they're also our new sponsor for Jordan's Oil and Gas Geopolitical Show. So stay tuned for a bunch of wonderfulness for Ooh, that. Yay, Jordan. Oh, well, this is kind of a great segue. So the reviews, the first one we have is a three star and it says, stop listening. Pretty good show. I used to enjoy it more. I stopped listening because they become too politicized. Well, Mark Mitchell, 74 from the United States. Guess what? We're going to try to back off on the politics. But if it's something that involves the oil and gas industry business, we, we have, have to, to talk about it. Yeah. And we have a new show that you probably don't want to listen to since you don't want to listen to us <laughs> talking politics. But for everybody else that wants to understand the geopolitical world in oil and gas, which is super complicated, stay tuned. We got some, like I said, some wonderfulness coming. All right. Well, here's another review. It's a five-star title is As New Investors. Thank you. Hi, Mark and Paige. I worked as a roughneck out of high school in Rock Springs, Wyoming in 1980. I was young and stupid and I left a great career too early. My biggest regret. Fast forward 42 years, my wife and I have invested in a great small company in Texas that is going after natural gas. We love listening to you and Mark on our travels and at home. Thank you so much for the education and news without any spin. You both rock. Scott from Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Scott from Sarasota. If you want to reach out to me, I would love to understand what you and your wife are doing with this small natural gas company. Just, I am enamored and I'm so curious about all the small independent operators out there. It sounds like your wife are getting ready to start being a small independent operator. I'd just like to hear your story. So if you get a chance and, and you have the desire to have a conversation with me, reach out to me and I would love to learn more about this. So let's talk about, we haven't touched on your predictions yet. So let's kind of go through how you were wrong and right last year. Okay. So this shows could be around my oil and gas predictions. As far as right and wrong last year, Paige, a lot of it, there was luck, but I knocked it out the park last year. I got 80% of our predictions right for 2022. Awesome. Real quickly, in the audience, you'll see if you agree with me. For last year, global energy shortage, I nailed that one. Fertilizer shortage, nailed that one. Combo plants, I got that one wrong. I thought there, because of the refinery constraints that was coming, you'd have more new refineries, smaller, more modern combination refineries that both fuel and petrochemicals. And because of our current political administration sending mixed signals to the industry, especially refineries, which take a very long time to build as a large capex investment, nobody wants to pull the trigger on new refineries. So I got the combo plants wrong. Uh, supply chain issues, I got that right. Inflation, I got that right. 
Next, super cycle oil and gas, I got that right. Lack of skilled labor, I got that right. Energy theft, I got that right. Changing consumer fuel mix. I thought many more electrical vehicles would have been sold in 22, and it didn't happen, although they did sell quite a bit. And it didn't happen because of supply chains. So they couldn't get the parts and pieces to build electric vehicles. In fact, you know this, page. I couldn't get a windshield for my car, which is, by the way, not an electric vehicle, for 18 months. It took 18 months. Of the time. So it was over a year. <laughs> yeah, it was over wow. a year. Wow. Yeah, so the changing consumer fuel mix, I consider that one a draw. And then our chance to start changing negative public perception, I absolutely nailed that one right. Right. So historically, I've been doing this since 2014. Historically, I'm about 74% accurate. Last year, I bumped it up to 80%. Like I said, people, I don't have a crystal ball. A lot of that was just pure luck. Before we get into my predictions for this year, 2023, let's talk about prices real, real quick. And by the way, nobody hedge on what I'm about to say. This is, especially this year, It's this is as close to wild-ass guess as you can possibly get. <laughs> but I think for 2023, and remember, I'm talking about averages here. I think uh, Brent will average $102 a barrel. I think WGI will average $95 a barrel. I think natural gas will go for $7.05 per million British thermal units. But like I said, between the EU and G7 sanctions on Russian oil, China opening up from COVID, OPEC's inability to increase production no matter what they say, the end of the SPR release here in the United States, and then the need to buy crude in 2023 to fill the SPR back up. It is anybody's guess what prices are going to be. So with all that said, you want me to get into my predictions for this year? Well, first off, I want to point out that it's not luck. It's experience and research that has, you know, that's how you came up with this. There's, there's no doubt about that. So quit saying look and crystal balls and crap. <laughs> there, there. It's, not, it's not how it works. Okay. There is, to her point, there's a lot of science and experience that goes into this. There is a little bit of luck, though. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Let's talk about predictions for 2023, Mark. Okay. My first one, peak people. So if you look at the world's population, it's slowing. The growth is slowing. And so we're coming up to that bell curve, the top of the bell curve. And once we come over that bell curve, our world's population will start shrinking. Now, remember, my predictions aren't saying that the world's population will shrink in 2023. I'm saying this is the start. This is the beginning of it, right? For years, China had a government mandate on one child per family. Mm -hmm. Most of Europe and Australia and the U.S., our birth rates are less are the rates of us dying are less or more than birth rates. So our population has mm. been shrinking. In fact, Paige, if you look at some of the states on the East Coast, their birth rates are so much lower than their death rates that somewhere in the future, states are not going to have people to live in them, right? Now you go, Mark, what does that have to do with, with the oil and gas industry? Well, for as long as I've been around, you've heard people talk about famines, the population growth is overloading the planet. And I'm telling you, we're going to have the opposite problem somewhere in the future. Somewhere in the future, there's not going to be enough people. We're going to have an abundance of natural resources and not enough people to use them. So I think peak people is my first prediction for 2023. My next prediction, and I hope and pray I'm wrong, is I think there's going to be a major conflict. So not a world war, but a major conflict in the world. Like another one? Yeah, like we haven't had in a long time. Between what's going on with China and Taiwan and Israel and Iran and, you know, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, there's a lot of political hotspots around the world, actually more than there's been in a while. And then right now, the world's still in an energy crisis. Inflation is still increasing. People are losing jobs. People are cold. People are hungry. And so they're on edge. And so all it's going to take, Paige, is for one soldier to pull a trigger when he shouldn't, somebody in a missile control base to push a button when they shouldn't some bank to clamp down on some investment 
and you see a major conflict break out. Mm-hmm. I hope and pray I'm wrong about that. If it does, what I'm hoping is our current administration and Europe as well will step in and snuff it out quickly as possible. Because if it doesn't, it's going to escalate. And if this major conflict happens, it's going to affect world energy prices, especially crude right. natural gas. So my number two prediction for 2023 is we're going to have a major conflict. And if it happens, it's going to affect the prices of energy. Then my next one, I should patent this name, Mega Major. Anyway, I think it's the birth of the Mega Majors. So for years, we've watched BP and Shell and Chevron and Exxon compete. And they jockey back and forth for who's biggest, who's number one, who's number two, blah, blah, blah. Well, for the last couple of years, there's been a difference in strategy. Exxon and Chevron have reinvested their returns and reinvested their capital into mostly hydrocarbon projects. Shell and BP invested a lot of their capital into renewable projects. And you're seeing a lot of countries now want to place a windfall tax even on the renewable energy. So what's happening is basically Exxon and Chevron are making a lot more money and a lot more profits than BP and Shell, which should allow them to grow bigger than BP and Shell. Mm. When they grow bigger, they will have more leverage with vendors. They have more buy-in power, more leverage with countries, which should give them even more advantage over BP and Shell, right? So I think where you're seeing is the birth of a new classification, you know, from independent to major to super major. I think you can see mega majors. And I think Chevron and Exxon somewhere in the future are going to be so enormous and so much bigger than BP It sounds like a transformer. It does sound like a transformer, (laughs) yeah. And that's actually in some ways a good thing. The amount of research and development dollars they can pump in to recover hydrocarbons responsibly, the amount of money they can dump into renewable projects where it makes fiscal sense, the amount of money and time and effort they can put into rebuilding environments, you know, helping build schools and roads and all that is actually good for everybody. And the fact that there's two of them means that there will be still stiff competition, which is what keeps the market stable. So like I said, number three prediction for 2023 is the very birth of the mega majors. Then number four, carbon capture and storage. Regardless of what you believe about carbon dioxide's impact to the environment, there's money to be made here. And there's money to be made here in several different places. So first thing, there's a lot of government money around the world, a lot of subsidies, a lot of credits to capture carbon dioxide and store it. You're looking at Oxy doing it right now. ExxonMobil's doing it right now. And what's happening is they're making money building these facilities, and they're actually starting to globalize it. They're building pipelines to move CO2 right now around countries, but pretty soon you'll be able to move it around the world. Remember, I always talk about how can the price of crude oil be the same in Rio de Janeiro as it is in Tokyo, as it is in Houston, Texas. That's because we have the infrastructure to move it around the world for almost nothing. Right. Somewhere in the future, we're going to have the same infrastructure of carbon dioxide. So now carbon dioxide will be a commodity, and that infrastructure is going to be built, maybe not totally, but for a large part with government subsidies. And there's money to be made there. So you have that going on right now. The other thing is CO2 is a product that you can sell. Right now in Belgium, the beer makers are getting ready to go on strike because they can't buy enough CO2 to make their beer, Mm. right? CO2 is used for enhanced oil recovery. Right. CO2 is used in greenhouses all over the world to increase plant growth, right? Right. So then you have the non-subsidized commercial benefits of capturing CO2 and using it. So CO2, carbon capture and storage, is going to be huge business in 2023. Then I've gotten a lot of pushback on this one. And so everybody that's listening, please listen to me explain this. Number five prediction for 2023 is an anti-renewable movement. I love renewables. They have their place. What's happening is people are hungry and cold and it's going to get, you think it's bad this winter. Next winter, it's going to be even worse in Europe. And so what's happening is people are going, well, when we had all fossil fuel 
energy generation. We were fine. Energy was cheap. It was cheap to fill up my car. Food was cheap. I kept my children warm. Right. And so what's going to happen is they're going to push. It's already starting to happen. You're seeing them push back against the renewables. You're seeing them push back against the climate change, especially the fanatical climate change people out there. And so this is not a good thing for for us or for the industry, although a lot of people on gas would think it's a good thing. It's not. Our biggest problem we have with energy in the world right now is we've allowed it to become politicized. And we dis- we need to disconnect politics from energy. We need to have business leaders and scientists figure out what we need to do as far as energy, not politicians and laymen on Twitter. So if we let if this anti-renewable movement happens, and I'm already starting to see it happen, if it grows, it's gonna hurt the renewable industry, but it's also gonna hurt our industry long term because it keeps that us versus them mentality, which we need to right. get rid of. Yeah. The renewable side of the house has a lot of benefits to mankind and a lot of the technology that we need to make renewables more cost effective are there. But when you have governments like what's going on in Europe, they're actually <laughs> you, you can't make this stuff up. They've pushed so hard for renewables so fast that there's not they don't have enough energy in Europe to keep their people warm. Then because finally the renewable companies were making money because the cost of hydrocarbons were so high that renewables were cost effective. Now those same governments are saying renewable companies, you're making too much profit. We're going to pass a windfall tax that is going to destroy the renewable industry. And like I said, in the right situations, renewable is awesome. I love the combination. I love wind energy. I love solar. I love nuclear. I love geothermal. But they all don't work everywhere. So like I said, my number five prediction for 2023 is you can see the beginning of an anti-renewable movement globally. Then unfortunately, number six prediction, the world's energy shortage will continue. Originally, when I first saw this energy shortage coming in late 2020, I figured it would last about a year. Now I think it's going to last about two years. Why is that? We can't get, two things are going on. We can't get, so the demand for hydrocarbons is going up faster than we can produce hydrocarbons. And Consumers don't buy crude oil. Consumer buys refined products. Mm -hmm. That's what fuels the world. And we have this global refinery constraint going on right now. That's right. And you can't just build a refinery. And nobody, including myself, would build a refinery in the U.S. right now because it's the odds are there's a pretty good chance you could lose money on Mm -hmm. it, right, because of politics. So for the next two years, so to at least 2024, maybe even 2025, the world will be in an energy shortage. And, you know, this year, this winter is going to be rough in Europe. Next year's going to be even worse, right? Yeah, my heart's broken over that. Yeah. So, and you're going to see a a lot of stuff happen. You know, when people are hungry and people are cold, things like their concern for the environment, the concerns for the planet go out the window. It's just, it's just. Well, it just turns into pure chaos. Yeah, human nature. Crime rises, all that stuff. Yeah. So this will probably be out what the first or second week in January. We just had a major winter freeze in in the US. Arctic blast. Yeah. Yeah, where is that global warming when you need it? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. But one of the things that was going on in Buffalo, it was so cold, there was so much snow that law enforcement couldn't get out to do anything. So there was looting going on during this horrendous snowstorm. Surely you can't get that far with looting. (laughs) Well, they had to do it on foot. Well, yeah, but it's like 50 inches of snow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all that coming together, this world's energy charts will continue. We need to hurry up and pull out of it. There's just no physical way to do it. We got to get more hydrocarbons on the market. We got to get more refineries built. And that just takes time. And it's starting to look like 2024 before we get that where we need to be with that. All right. Well, what's next? Unconventional shell growth will be slow. It will grow. But for everybody that's thinking we're going to have another boom like we did in 2015, it's not going to happen for a bunch of reasons. 
One is capital discipline. You know, not that long ago, investors were looking for growth. So you drill a well, you punch a hole in the ground, look at the finances on the production, use that money to borrow more money, punch another hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. And we went 10 years by doing that. That's sort of a Ponzi scheme. At some point, you got to make a profit. So what investors are doing now are, are making sure they're disciplined around their capital investments, making sure the only investments they make are for profit with a focus on returns. There's another driver. It's a slow shell growth, not a focus on growth. The companies that have survived, they have debt repayments. So the, a lot of that money is going to go to pay off debt. And then there's huge supply chain constraints. I mean, I talked about my windshield earlier, kind of funny, but on the unconventionals on land in the shell fields, they can't get pipes and parts and pumps and, you know, chains and whatever. Then also, I mentioned this earlier, our current administration, you know, if I'm a big independent operator like Devin, I'm going to grow slowly this year in 2023 because mm-hmm. I don't know what the government's going to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get permits or not, right? So all that together, you can see the shell growth, the growth will be slow. It will grow, but it will grow slow. That's kind of a shame because if all those constraints were moved out the way, we could power the world. Our shell could actually increase the natural gas right. and crude oil the world needs. We literally could solve that equation. We could fill that delta. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? So- Shell growth will be slow, but my number eight prediction is offshore conventional oil is going to boom. Really? Yo, yo. And I'm so happy to see this come back. Even some deep water projects are very expensive. Bunch of reasons. So first thing is offshore projects, unlike Shell, take a decade between the original exploration right. and production, yeah. the original drilling the well to produce, to prove the numbers, to make sure the math works, building the production platform, doing the tiebacks to get those hydrocarbons back to market. It takes 10 years, sometimes longer than that. So all these offshore projects that were delayed because of COVID, they didn't stop. They were just slowed down, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of the majors and now the mega majors knew that there was going to be a need for this. Well, now they're coming back. And because these reservoirs are conventional, their decline curve is very slow. So it's a very profitable business. You're watching new conventional wells being drilled in North Sea. That's one of the areas of the world that's had, you know, 70 years of exploration production. And a lot of people, myself included, keep saying they can't find more reservoirs there. Well, they did. Right? Yeah. And they're going in production, which the world needs this. So offshore conventional oil will boom. So any business that has to do with offshore oil, you should have a great year in 2023. Especially in the Gulf of Mexico? Gulf of Mexico is going to kill it. In fact, there's we're going to have constraints with, what's the Chevron project, the pipeline project that they most of the offshore people in the Gulf of Mexico use? Jack same out. So there's going to be pipeline constraints in the Gulf of Mexico because there could be so much oil being produced to get back to shoreline, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely a good problem to have. Yeah. All right. What else? Speaking of the shell guys and speaking of the offshore people, because there it, there are some independent offshores. A uh, shout out to uh, L Log L L O G. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're oxymoron. They're a small independent deep water operator. Those words are not supposed to go together, and they're really <laughs> good at it. But anyway, for everybody out there, capitals could be so much easier to get in twenty twenty three. What happened is a lot of investment money, a lot of capital was pulled off the market because of ESG. If your company doesn't have certain ESG metrics, we're not going to invest money in you because we're afraid that shareholders won't appreciate it because of the public outcries or you'll have radical investors or, or whatever, right? All those companies and people and organizations that didn't invest in oil and gas because of ESG in 2022 lost out on zillions of dollars, right? Because they didn't invest in something that's very profitable. And so now and I've talked to a dozen people. It's like, yeah, 2021 and 2022, we were pushed really hard to make sure that our investments were on companies that had the right ESG metrics. 
Now we've lost so much money, we don't care. Like, we want to make money. <laughs> so because of that, capital's going to be so much easier to get. And please, no hate mail. I love ESG. We have a show based on it. It's something that this industry is needed. But the U.S. produces the cleanest hydrocarbon molecule in the world. So before you start talking to me about investing money in, you know, U.S. oil and gas production. Go to other countries. Get their clean their act up. And then come talk to me about ESG here in the U.S. <laughs> All right. So number 10. 2023 is going to be a record year for the oil and gas industry. In fact, it might be the record year in our history. Why is that? The world economy is going to continue to, to expand. So China's opening up after COVID. Um, there's growth happening, even though the world's going through an inflationary period. Farming's coming back to feed all these people. People are starting to fly in airlines. And I'm sorry, Southwest, and all that stuff that happened <laughs> at the very end of December. <laughs> but people will still fly. And there's a shortage of hydrocarbons. And so when you put all this stuff together, there's the demand is much bigger than the supply. And no matter how much we all work in 2023, we will never meet that demand it's going to be wide open. It's going to be awesome. Now, we're going to have political hurdles we have to jump through. Yes. Is that going to move some of the production out of the U.S. to other parts of the world? Yes. But from a grand scheme of things, it's a beautiful thing. The industry globally as a whole is going to have record years. Now, you know what happens, especially on the upstream side of the house? When there is a boom, at some point later, there's a bust, yeah. right? So for all of y'all mm -hmm. out there that are taking advantage of this boom that's going to happen in 2023 – you know, if you're an individual, put a little bit of money away. If you're a company, don't borrow money to grow or don't borrow as much money to grow because I'm telling you that some point in the future, this boom that we're going to have in 2023 is going to go the other way and you want to be prepared for that. Do I think that's going to happen in the next two years? No, I think it's probably more like a decade, but yeah. it will come. But my final prediction for 2023 is the oil and gas industry will have a record year, which is awesome because we've been through hell. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking of not going through hell. If you want to advertise with us, <laughs> we, we make it very non-hellish. Uh, you can go to OGGN.com forward slash pricing. And we're very open with all our pricing, what we have to offer. we got a bunch of offers. We have some low price offerings out there. So if you'd like to get your company and your brand in front of all types of different buyers in the industry, reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk through this. And then we have our Energy Continuity Conference, which we moved from January to April. So it's going to be April 2023. This conference is going to be different and unlike any other conference. We're not going to let people sell anything. Our exhibitors will be educating people on how they can help with keeping your business up during some type of disaster. We're going to have a lot of fun. So check it out. Links in the show notes. Weekly rig count page. Where well, we? first off, that's the last worst segue of the year. So thank <laughs> God for that. Okay, so rig count in the United States, we're up three at 779. Canada, we're down 103 to 199. And internationally, we're down one at 910. Yeah, the drop in the rigs in Canada has to do with the weather. Which I, is, I figured. Yeah, the ground needs to freeze solid before they start working again. Right. Speaking of being solid, go check out our LinkedIn company page. It lets you know everything. I was wrong. Another <laughs> bad segue. All right. It'll let you know everything that's going on with us. We're over 50,000. It'll be 50,001. We'd love to have you follow us. Love to have you there. We're going to start doing much more communication on LinkedIn for this year. And then while you're out on the interwebs, if you want to ask a question for First Friday Q&A or just kind of hang out or see what's going on, either go to our website, oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN.com the network. And either way, you can submit questions. And when we get to First Friday Q&A, we'll read them on the air. And then if you want my monthly events newsletter, that's also free. That's in the show notes as well. And then Paige, hmm. I got a new podcast. Imagine that. The Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast. 
So for all my sales peeps out there that are selling stuff on oil and gas. You said peeps. <laughs> we, we have the show just for you. We're going to end up building a mastermind group around this show. Matt Bertram is killing it in marketing oil and gas. I'm so happy. He has one of the top SEO podcasts in the world. He's my co-host. Matt and I both think that sales and marketing should be joined at the hip. So that's why this is a sales and marketing podcast. Another update, if you're a subscriber to The Balance Point with Mark, and you also get the bonus content with this show, I've missed a couple episodes of The Balance Point. I'm going to reformat that show, everybody. Basically, it failed. The premise of that show was to bring people on that did not like the oil and gas industry for us to have civil conversations. And Paige, I couldn't get people to come on. I got some good people to come on, right? But all these organizations that like to talk trash behind a keyboard, all these people on oh, social Oh, they're media, all hiding. They're, they're, they, won't come on, they won't come on board <laughs> and talk to a 58-year-old overweight podcaster. And it's a shame because the premise of that show was beautiful. You know, but the fact that, I mean, all of them, Sierra Club, Greenpeace, 350.org, all of them talk trash to me. Once it becomes time to come on the podcast, they refuse to come on. So that show's going to change. You'll see new episodes coming out. It's basically with me taking what's going on currently that's anti-oil and gas and breaking it down. Sort of like you and I do with the news shows yeah. with this. But it's going to be my commentary on some of the craziness out there. Oh, and there's plenty of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to have a, a, a lack of content for that. Okay. So if you're a subscriber, my apologies that the original show bringing people on didn't work out. The show will be reformed. Actually, you'll be should be able to listen to episodes now while you're listening to this, and hopefully that will be provide some a good value to our listeners out there. I do appreciate the three thousand or so of you that signed up. I know it's a couple dollars a month. That money at some point will go to charity, but I do appreciate everybody that did it. And my apologies once again for the show failing. I thought it was going to be a great show, and like I said, I can't get guests on it, so we're just change what we're doing with that. That's okay. They're still behind the curtain. It's still behind the curtain. Speaking of that, behind the curtain, if you'd like us to come behind your curtain and do a speaking gig. I quit. I quit. (laughs) Me or any of my experts, bring a live podcast event. Let us know. We have to share the details. All right. So I guess that's it, Paige. Ready to get out of here? Yeah. All right. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.